Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, only prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So it's uh, all for play for still? I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hi, Villa fans, and welcome to Further Love of Paul McGrath Podcast. Wanted to pop on and talk about a rumor that's been doing the rounds today. Well, more than a rumor, I think, really. It's been something that's been reported by Fabrizio Romano, and it's also coming from Spain. And it's to do with French international Clement Longley, who spent last season on loan at Spurs and has been linked to the move to Aston Villa, which uh, is, I, I think is super interesting. Um, I'm going to get it out of the way early and just mention that I've seen a lot of people online question why Aston Villa would be in for somebody like Clement Longley. Question, I suppose, why Aston Villa would be in for a centre-half full stop when there are other areas of need in in, in this team. And uh, I'll, I'll address the second piece I posed first with regards to the centre-half. And I, and I think it's, it's quite plausible that Aston Villa will be in for a centre-half or defensive help, should I say. Um, obviously, with the loss of Tyrone Mings, um, I don't think that... Uh, with the loss of Tyrone Mings and the fact that I, I think that Unai Emery is going to persevere with um, with, with with having Ezri Kanza uh, playing as, as a right full-back. Not in every game, don't get me wrong here, not in every game, but the option of putting him out there in certain games, moving Matty Cash forward, or having Matty Cash play as that traditional full-back as well. If we are to do that, that leaves us with Callum Chambers being the only defensive option on the bench. And uh, obviously until Alex Moreno comes back, but that's a bit dangerous in my in my view. Even calling up somebody like Josh Feeney, he isn't ready for senior football, unfortunately, but that's okay. He's not ready because you need that certain level of experience. He's, he's a very good player and he will develop into a very good player and he will have a, a, a professional career. Um, and I think he will get get minutes for Aston Villa at some stage, maybe in the cups. Um, for Villa this season, he would be on the bench. Maybe he might come on something along those lines. But when you think about players who've made their debut at centre half at seventeen, you know you've got some big names out there, like John Terry, um, Garrett Barry made his debut at, at, as a teenager for Aston Villa, and and I just don't think that Josh Feeney is there yet. So when we talk about 
when we talk about that option of uh, from from the the back four, I think a lot of people or I have specifically, I think I failed to understand how important it is to have that solid defensive structure for, for Unai Emery. And being linked with somebody like Clement Langley, <clears throat> it leads me to believe that, that, that that is where his strengths lie, and Unai Emery's strengths lie, getting that defensive stability, getting that building from the back. And Clement Langley, a lot of people, as I said, mentioned, you know, his time at Spurs last season. Spurs last season were disjointed from top to bottom in that football club were disjointed. The fans wanted Levy out. They still want Levy out. Their owner, um, Joe Lewis, has recently been indicted in the United States for insider trading. Trading. He will face trial in, in a court of law in the United States. Uh, Antonio Conte, like everybody remembers what went on there. He essentially just downed tools and just got sick of managing the club. And they brought in Ryan Mason to finish off the year. Well, they didn't. They had Conte's number two in for a bit, and then they brought in Ryan Mason. I wouldn't blame any player for underperforming in that situation. I certainly wouldn't blame a player who was on loan in that situation, who essentially was thrown in to, to try, as a case of, you fix it in there, and that's in the centre-half position. And, and, and the whole club itself... Had a small, had a bit of a capitulation and and finishing outside the European places last season. So, I think it's very reductive in the argument or the conversation to turn around and say, "Well, Clement Longley has finished, or he's not as good as uh, as as he was because of last season." Situations make, make dictate certain certain players' output, and situations dictate, uh, I suppose. Um, they dictate how a certain season can go for players and players. Uh, there's a lot of players in that Spurs dressing room last year that were let down by the club, let down by the management. And uh, in fairness to Ryan Mason, he tried his best to get everything back together again because he seems to be a club man, but just didn't work. And uh, a lot of players' reputations suffered for it. So Clement Longley on 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 the 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 face of it, let's take a little look at him from the point of view. I do have some slides here, um, which I forgot to load, but I'm just going to load them into the system here now while I'm speaking. So Clement Longley, his early career, he started off his career at 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 Nancy before moving to Sevilla in Spain. Moved to Sevilla in 2017. I forgot to look it up. Seemingly, he was a Manchi purchase. Now I know Manchi left to go to Roma in 2017. Um, so potentially Manchi did part did buy him. I completely forgot to look it up prior to um prior to coming on the on, on the podcast. So if Manchi did sign him, please pop it in the comments below so that I because I do read back all the comments and, and, and let me know because I forgot to look at it there. Um but there may have been an overlap very, very slightly of him being at, at, at Sevilla and then before Manchi moved on to, to Roma. But he moved to Sevilla. Um was really impressive for that season at Sevilla. And then Barcelona came knocking and they signed him for, I think it was just shy of £36 million pounds at the time. Um, played four seasons uh, in in Barcelona or for Barcelona and uh, racked up a ton of appearances. Um, uh, and, and, and essentially, you know, he went down, he was a mainstay as a centre-half there for Barcelona. Um, won La Liga in his first season there in 2018-19. Um, obviously Barcelona then failed to win La Liga for a couple of years, but all the Champions League experience that Clement Longley would have by his time at Barcelona, all the experience of playing 
you know, Wednesday night, Sunday, Wednesday night, Saturday, whatever the case may be. That's very, very beneficial for this team. Having that quick turnaround, being able to assimilate tactics, being able to assimilate game plans. And I know people will turn around and say, yeah, but Barcelona could afford to trot out um, anybody, specifically at centre half for some of those years because their midfield was so good and they had Messi up top. But it's not as easy as that. You know, there's a reason big teams stay big. There's a reason good teams stay good. It's because they've got real professionals at the club, specifically in the centre-half position, specifically in the defensive positions. And Clement Longley is pretty is pretty professional, you know, from, from that point of view. I don't think anyone... Uh, I haven't read anything anyway, or uh, some of the people that I've spoken to um, today about him. Um None of them have questioned his professionalism, which uh, is always something that I really, you know, it's a small thing. And I, th- I think it's probably um, not something that I would, I wouldn't sign somebody just because they're professional, obviously. But it does go an awful long way to, um, I suppose, to, to, to being that whole part of that, that intangible kind of uh, report that you need to have on somebody. You know, they need to be the full package. As Paddy often says in this podcast, we, we have a no dickhead, we should have a no dickheads policy. You don't bring dickheads into your club. And essentially, uh, Clement Longley seems to fit that bill uh, as well. Um, uh, As I mentioned, he, he actually played 160 games for Barcelona. He scored seven goals for Barcelona as well. Some of those games were at left back, very sparingly played at left back, but mostly as centre half. Last season, he played 35 games in all competitions for Spurs, scoring one goal. Um. The the season before, <clears throat> excuse me, and and he did he actually signed for Sevilla in 2016, so he was a Manchi signing there. Um, I'm just seeing here because I just looked it up. Um, but for Sevilla, he played uh, 73 games, scoring four goals, and all those four goals came in his last season there, prior to moving to to Barcelona. Um, so Clement Longley is a uh, a rather decent defender, more than a rather decent defender. That's doing him a disservice. He's a really good defender, and he would fit in with Aston Villa. And I think the reason he fits in at Aston Villa is he's a dependable de- defender, and he's also really good with the ball at his feet. So we're going to look at something here now in a moment. We're going to look at some statistics um, on my sheet. I'm also going to talk to other statistics and other scouting pieces. Watched a couple of um, of, of highlights packages that I have on y, that I put together on Y Scout for him, specifically looking at uh, progressive passing and passing the ball forward. Specifically looking at uh, some for Spurs, some for Barcelona. I obviously uh, cross referenced the two of them as I've mentioned previously. Last season was not um, the coaching material I think that you would you would use on Clement Longley because, as I say, I think a lot of players were let down by 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 um, events at, at Tottenham Hotspur last season. Watched him at, at uh, Barcelona as well to get a better understanding of the player uh, himself. So uh, we'll talk about that in, in, in a moment. But um, yeah, so let's bring up his um, his slides here. Um, so looking at, at Clement Longley, um, the slides, as I say, these are over the last 365 days. Uh, but when we look at him, a very assured tackler coming in, in the top quartile of, uh, of all defenders in, in Europe. Once again, I haven't added Pau Torres or Diego Carlos. Sample sets are too small. I know a lot of people have asked me to put in Diego Carlos's numbers from his time at Sevilla and Pau Torres's numbers from his time of, of, at Villarreal. I could, but I want to keep it with the players that we actually have. And, and, and essentially, this guy would be ho- we were hoping he would come in to replace Tyrone Mings. When we look at this at, at, at the slide deck here and we look at the, at the, the radiograph here, the one big thing that stands out to me is we're going to see this guy replace an awful lot of Tyrone Mings, 
except for within the aerial jewels um, area. Now, a lot of people talk about 58% of aerial jewels being won as being a bad statistic. And to me, that's only ever a bad statistic when, when you're like, how, how am I going to put this? If you win half of the headers, yeah. So when, when you talk about aerial jewels won, it, probably a better statistic is aerial jewels lost that led to a key moment for the other team if that makes sense. So while we look at it here, you can jump with somebody, you can lose a header, but you can put them off when you're jumping in the air and they don't actually head it to another player. So they might win the header, the header might squirt back to the goalkeeper. Now, I'm not making excuses in, in any way, shape, or form for somebody having a 58% a uh, headed um, or aerial jewel success rate. But I just think there's a lot more context needed, and I don't have that context to give you. I don't have that context to give you. If anybody knows where I can find that context, please let me know. And I will try to start adding it into these uh, conversations. Now, Tyro Mings was brilliant in the air. I would expect somebody who's six foot four to be brilliant in the air. And I would expect somebody who's been brought up through English football to be brilliant in the air. Uh, Clement Longley is, uh, is like I, anything I've watched of him, and I specifically watched his aerial jewels and stuff. He doesn't come across as being powder puff in the air. He doesn't come across as being poor in the air. He doesn't come across as being, um, you know, uh, lightweight in the air or anything. It didn't come, like on the screen, it did not seem it was an issue for me um, with, with these aerial prowess. But when you obviously look at statistics, that's why I'm bringing it up here. Because when we're looking at the stats here on the screen, it does show that there's a noticeable, noticeable difference between the two. So he has a aerial success rate of 58.6%. Tyrone Mings comes in at around 70%. So there's about 11.5% of a difference there. Um, which I think I'm okay with, based on what I've seen of him and when I've watched him. I don't seem to think that winning the ball in the air is an issue for him. Now, some huge positives for him. Just wanted to get the elephant out of the room there, firstly. Some huge positives here are progressive passes. Are, are are exceptional. You know, he's he's nearly got four progressive passes per game. That's really good. Why would Unai Emery want that? Just look at what we've seen at the start of this season. Pau Torres passing that ball into midfield, that 10-yard pass into midfield. Um, Ezri Kanza doing the same, passing that ball into midfield. It's something Unai Emery needs. It's something that he wants. It's something that it has to happen. If you haven't seen my tweet about how Unai Emery attacks, please go and find it. Because you need to have possession. You need to dictate possession to be able to attack like that. And you need to have defenders who are comfortable passing the ball around and then being able to pass it into midfield. Clement Langley can do that. He did it at Spurs last year. And these are his numbers over the last 365 days. So if you think that he played poorly at Spurs last year, look at the statistics that we can see here and extrapolate that them out over good coaching, over a year of good coaching. Actually, do you know what? I'm kind of a bit disappointed that I haven't shown his last season at Barcelona or maybe the season before to give a comparison on this because I, I, I should really have shown another graph with those seasons on it. Um, I don't know what they look like, but um, that might have been nice to show here as well. But playing at Spurs last season, we can see progressive passes. Still passed that ball out into midfield. His pass completion rate right up there. Really, really good pass completion rate. Um, 86.2%. Over his career, I think his pass rate is, is up around 88%. He is an assured passer of the ball um, from, from uh, centre-half position. He also attempts quite a decent amount of passes as well, 55 
55.5 passes per game. You know, he's okay with a workload. He's okay with a workload. And that's something that's, that, that uh, Unai Emery is going to want as well. Um, hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This also, like, uh, uh, he, he's 28 years of age, but he's just gone 28 too. But maybe you and I, Emery, might look at this person as somebody who can cover that left back position. You can see by his heat map. He spent an awful lot of time out near the touchline. He was in the back three for at times uh, against first Spurs last year. Who's to say Una Emery doesn't play a back three uh, this season? Technically, he played a back three against um, against uh, against Burnley at the weekend. Kanza, Carlos, Pau Torres, Luca Dean wasn't in line that often. You know, obviously out of possession he was. Matty Cash certainly didn't didn't come back out of possession. Clement Longley playing as that as that three uh, in that three maybe allows you to play uh, Alex Moreno as a as a left wing wing back. Matty Cash is a right wing back. What I'm saying here is he gives you options. You can also push him out and play, be a left back and auxiliary left back if needed. We've talked about Paul Torres being played at left back. Why not talk about this guy? Why not talk about him be, playing left back for Barcelona? He played. Uh, if the top of my head, I think it was roughly 10 games at left back for Barcelona. You can see here about his heat map. He's not afraid to to get out onto that touchline. It'd be an interesting one, I think. It would be an interesting one. I don't have any statistics as to how he how he shapes up against the left back. I can put them together if anybody's interested and pop them up on on, uh, on Twitter. But overall, I think he's he's an interesting player. Because uh, I, I want to talk about him a small bit more. Um. Like he played last year, last year for Spurs, specifically only in the Premier League, he made three point seven five interceptions per per game. Um, and the reason that I'm bringing that up is, uh, he he played he, he played in a lot of different he played in you know in, in numerous competitions for Spurs last year, but. I'm trying to find common ground where we can talk about him in comparison to other players that we have here because I think the big narrative is, and you see it on, on online, I've seen it on Twitter, that people are upset with how he played with Spurs last year and immediately writing him off based on that. But some of the things he did at Spurs last year were, were, were really good. Uh, some of the output he had was really good. The team was poor. The team effort as a whole team was poor. There were some really good good individual performances and there were some good individual players on that team. Um, like the team 
just was starved of stability. It was starved of of, of proper coaching, for want of a better word. Um, their leader just down tools. Uh, and in fairness to Ryan Mason, he's not a Conte. He's not a, a um, he's not an Ange Postecoglou who's come in now. And Clement Longley, uh, you know, was was suffered in, in in that situation. He was on loan. And he was asked to kind of cure what ails him at center at the center half position. And yes, sometimes he was the you know he was a victim of of the way the team were playing, but sometimes he wasn't. Like I think there's an argument to be made that he actually had a resurgence of form in certain areas uh, based on how he played at, at Barcelona um, and playing in that three men defense. You could see when I was watching footage of him, you could see his natural ability for anticipation. You could see his, his ability for to, to be able to tackle the ball and not the man. He wasn't clumsy. I didn't find him clumsy at any stage, I'll be honest. I, I, I didn't find him clumsy at all. And I know you don't expect a centre-half in the Premier League to be clumsy, but it's worth pointing out that he didn't look clumsy because I've seen it on Twitter today that a lot of people may making that making comparisons to him, of him to some some defenders and I just think that they're wrong and, and I just wanted to call that out uh, as well. Um, I've already mentioned about, I'm just looking at some notes I've made on him here. Um, I've mentioned about the aerial jewels uh, percentage. It didn't strike me as if he was weak in the air. I'll say that again. I would love if anybody could point me in a direction of uh, aerial jewels lost that led to a goal or a key moment for the other team because I think that's a real fair, more fair statistic than uh, than than just aerial jewels lost. Um, I think one of the things when we look at uh, look at, at at his statistics here is that you know his ability to to, to move like he's an, he's athletic. Um, He's pretty decent in that area. Like he's not, he's not somebody that's that's particularly going to step right out into midfield. But he'll be comfortable just stepping forward with the ball. Um, he's it it it's not he's not going to be somebody who's going to go on a long buster from centre half. And we don't need that. We don't need that. I'd argue that Unai Emery doesn't want that to happen. I think he just wants to beat that that press. So if we're being pressed high, he wants people who are who are comfortable on the ball want to be able to maybe just move that ball past the press into midfield. I've said it again. Unai Emery's tactic is based around getting players turned all the time. If players are turned, they're disorientated. They're not sure where they're going. They're hoping a zonal marking situation is going to lead to somebody else coming to the ball. And that's the way Aston Villa are, are, are moving. That's why the triangles are played in midfield. That's why those balls go back to the centre half. They go across the centre half position. They go out wide. Um, it's drawing players out of position, making sure that you can get to a situation whereby we have someone open in the middle or someone open out in the wing, whereby we can maybe play across for the ball or else get somebody turned in the middle. Clement Longley would be absolutely fine at that. He had, like It would be bread and butter to him. Because of his number one is his time at Barcelona, his time playing in the in the French setup as well. It's what they do, it's what they do, and and he's been in a ball dominant teams, and I think bringing that mentality of comfortability with ball dominance is quite quite important, and it's something that he could bring. I don't envisage him being a starter for Aston Villa, and I think that's okay too. But I do envisage him being a massive part of rotation because Aston Villa are going to be playing in in the Europa League. Barring a catastrophic turnaround against Hibs tomorrow night, um, or on Thursday night, um, 
barring a catastrophic uh, capitulation there, which I just don't see, Aston Villa are going to have a lot more games in their hand this season. I think it would be wise to make a move like this. And it sounds like it's going to be a loan option with an option to buy. And I think that's wise once more because maybe you don't want to paint yourself into a corner or spending 12, 15, 20 million or whatever on a player. And secondly, arguably Barcelona are going to try and get rid of this guy at all costs from a, from a cost-saving point of view. They deferred a ton of his wages. There's a bubbling story here that I found online that Barcelona deferred a ton of Clement Longley's wages. And um, they've actually offered a type of a mutual termination to him, which he refused because he's owed something like 12 million pounds this season, which equates to something like 200 grand a week. Now, that's not to say he comes and signs for Aston Villa 200 grand a week. But I think any saving that Barcelona could get on his wages would be music to their ears. Villa were to come in and pay 35% of his wages or whatever at 200 grand a week. I think that's probably a win for Aston Villa. You know, getting a player in there, wages are subsidized. And I think Barcelona, it's, it's a win for Barcelona. Provide, we, may, we might pay a fee on top of my, I don't know. I don't know what fee you would pay for a loan. Maybe you pay a 2 million loan fee and then you have an option to buy him at the end of it outright if you want to. Maybe that's something that Aston Villa look at. I, I absolutely don't have, have any idea. Maybe they go down that same route, the same route they did with Dinkas Zaniolo, whereas you expect maybe sign Zaniolo at the end of it. Maybe you don't with Clement Longley. But I think that they will be creative in how they look to get players in. Um, also, Spurs are, sti- are still thought to be sniffing around Longley. Um, it was thought that Longley would sit out hoping that uh, Barcelona would accept the deal for him to get him off the books. I don't think he particularly wants to stay there. He knows the right writing is on the wall. Xavi's come in. They have Christensen. They have Gunde. They have, they have, they have um, quite, a, quite a good centre-half set up. Araujo in, in there at the moment. They've got quite a good centre-half set up in there at the moment. And Clement Longley knows he's not going to fit back in there again. He's been out on loan. Just new managers come in, wants to do things a different way. And at 28 years of age, with all these deferred wages that are supposed to be coming his way, he's... I, I, look, I think I think separation between him and Barcelona is probably what both sides want at this stage. He can't be too happy with deferred wages. Now, I've no idea how that happens or how that happens if he does sign for Villa on loan, but I would imagine with the wages being deferred into this year that it would be a loan signing that Aston Villa will sign him on. Barcelona would prop up the majority of his wages. Villa, he would come to Aston Villa. There would be some sort of fee involved and then maybe... I would say Barcelona maybe look at some sort of mutual termination or or some agreement with Aston Villa for a small fee so that they can offset the wages um, that he would be lo- that would be lost to him or would be owed to him, should I say, with some sort of a transfer fee from Aston Villa. I have no idea how something like that will go down, but it's an interesting it's an interesting case. Would he succeed at Aston Villa? I don't know. Just like with every single other other signing that that, that comes in the door, it's very difficult to say. Um, based on all available evidence that we have, he is somebody that, that Unai Emery should look at and go, hmm, he is somebody that has all the attributes that I've proven I can work with. He's all the attributes that fit into my system of slow, slow build up and then ratchet up through the gears and ratchet up through the intensity through the middle of midfielder out wide. Um, he's assured, and as I say, he come, he's not a, 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 a bad dressing room influence. He's left-footed. We know Unai Emery just seems to do nothing but sign left-footed people. Um, as, as it is, I, I jest with regards to that. 
And I think with the tactical flexibility that Unai Emery wants to adopt, you know, if we were playing three at the back, moving Pau Torres into a more central position, having Clement Longley out there, out in the left-hand side, and uh, it gives you the option to play Diego Carlos or, or Kanza, I, I think it just makes sense to have another centre-half in there so that you're not hoping or crossing your fingers in the event that somebody gets injured. Because if we had a centre-half that went down, maybe picked up a hamstring injury, was out for four, four weeks, depending on the time of year, they could miss, they can miss six to eight games. And that's a big chunk of games throughout the course of the year. And do you want to have somebody like Clement Longley on the bench to come in? Or would you prefer to have somebody like Callum Chambers? And without denigrating Callum Chambers, I think there is a golfing class between the two players um, based on what they've achieved in their career. So as I say, I'm not here ever to tell you what to think. Let me know what you think in the comments below. Um, Clement Longley, newest, latest player that's been linked with Aston Villa. Let's see what happens over the next coming days. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more um, said, written, and uh, tweeted about uh, with regards to transfers over the next few days. And as they are, we will try our best to come and speak to you about them as and when they happen. But uh, I'm going to leave it at that today. That's Clement Longley. Let me know, as I say, what you think in the comments. If you do like this, please hit on, on the thumbs up. If you like the podcast and you're not subscribed, we'd love to have you on board for more of these. Uh, we try. We nearly come to you guys every day. If not every day, we're definitely here every second day. So you won't be starved of content um, from the podcast as well. And it costs you nothing to hit on that subscribe button. So if you do like what you see, please click on the subscribe button. and We'd be delighted to have you come back and share your opinions with us as well. Uh, so thanks very much, everybody, for watching and for listening. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy. And all that's left to say is up the villa. Podcast Network.